Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I tell you what, we're only, the church is only as good as its product, and its product is the best in the world. That is Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what we're giving away. We're not even selling it. We're giving it. We're offering it to the world. And I think sometimes we forget that this is, when we say good news, we sort of use that word a little bit these days, don't we? Good. Uh, how was, you know, good? How was, you know, the walk on the beach? It was good. And so, well, how, what's the, how, you know, how's the news about Jesus? It's good. And we sort of put it in the same category. This is an unbelievable story and, and person that we are bringing to the world. And uh, in Nairobi, there's a lot of religion. And you, you guys have been talking about building altars a bit. And, and you've been talking about altars of worship and altars of prayer and altars of um, um, there's repentance, the Spirit of God, you know, all those great things. Can I tell you this? This is because I've been talking about similar things. But in Africa, there's a lot of religion. Not many people have a vibrant, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ himself. That might sound simple to you, but the whole aim and purpose of what we are on the planet for is to know God, Grow in God and show God to other people. Knowing him, Paul said, I counted everything else, every religious duty, every church service, every um, time I read the Bible, everything without a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, it's rubbish. And you know what? The, it says in, um, I think we might have this scripture, Genesis. I was just thinking about this concept of older just quickly. I'm going to share a little, just a few little random things. But... Genesis 26, 25, Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. Do you know altar without worship is religion? Altar without worship is religion. Anything that you do in your Christian life, because religion looks different in Africa than it does in Australia, but religion is all over the world. Religion is anything that we reduce our Christian experience to outward things. Outward things. When we turn up to church and we think that we don't actually have our heart there, but we think God's happy because we turned up. Well, he's not necessarily because that's religion. Uh, when you pray, well, lock yourself in your bedroom and you pray, but you don't really connect with the Lord and your heart's, you're just going, if I pray today, then God will be happy with me. That's not what he's happy about. God is happy when he has your heart in his when he knows you, when you, uh, like this, is my, this has been my prayer. If we can um, just grab uh, Ephesians 3. This has been the, the, the scripture of our church, Ephesians 3, 14. This is the most powerful scripture. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father. When was the time you last thought about all the great things of Christ? Fell to your knees and thanked the Father, cried out to him, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources. Now, we could stop on this on everything. His glorious, unlimited resource. Are you aware 
that God has glorious, unlimited resources for you, that he will strengthen, that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may, and may you have the power to understand, or as all God's people should, by the way, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience, check that out. He goes, may you understand, okay, I'll read this first. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Just hold that there. May you experience, because this is Paul's writing, he's gone, may you understand the love of God. And then he goes, hold on, hold on. That's not gonna happen. That's not gonna do it. It's too great for you to fully understand. May you experience the love of God, because it's too great for you to fully understand, but you've got to have this, uh, and this is what we're believing. We are believing and praying at church at the moment that this gospel message is going to change people's lives, and we've seen it. We have one young guy came into our church, great young guy. He'd actually been in ministry, done Bible college, and he's been with the Lord for a number of years, Uh, but he grew up in the third largest slum in Nairobi, Korogosho. And uh, this is a place where, you know, I would struggle to go there safely. You'd need security, um, huge drug issues, huge poverty, uh, very dangerous. And so that was his background. And so he comes to our church and he starts serving. But all of a sudden, he has all these inner things in his heart. Because if you don't ever deal with the inner things in your heart, and if you don't experience and understand the love of God, then you will always trip up somewhere. Um, so, so he came to church, and then he, 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 you know, something offended him, or he just, you know, work. He was struggling for work, and he didn't have cash, and so he was, you know, in and out of church. And so he comes this one week, and um, after he'd been missing for a while, and I preached this message on the love of God, and I was just telling. See, for me, Christian, I've got nothing really like exciting, like, no, no, that's not true. I've got nothing uh, that you've never heard to share with you this morning. But I do have something that is powered, this love of God. And I'm just sharing this, this love that, that Jesus forgave us of our sins. That not that he doesn't care about sin, but he cares so much about it that he paid, got his son to pay the price on the cross for it. So that I can boldly and confidently, regardless of what my week's been like, come before the God who loves me. And I was preaching, I'm saying, God is smiling on you. God is not angry with you this morning. And and I'm preaching this. And anyway, you know, some people came to the Lord and people got changed. You know, it was a cool morning. Okay, next. But he he called me about um, two months later. And he said, Pastor Garth, I need to have coffee with you. It's like, okay, we can do that. So I had coffee with him and he said, Pastor Garth, you remember a message you preached a couple of months ago? He said, you were telling me that God was smiling on me and that God was not angry with me and God was happy with me. And I said, yeah, I remember that. And he said, you know what, can I be honest? Of course, and, and it was very hard for him because you don't be honest with the pastor in Kenya. You don't, you don't say if you don't agree with something they're saying. But he said, I was listening there to you and I thought, oh no. I thought, Pastor Garth, is another Joel Osteen. Now, I like Joel Osteen, but this is what he said to me. At the time, uh, he didn't like the, the positive message of Joel Osteen. Garth is, Garth is just another Joel Osteen. 
he, he, the only reason that he can preach this message is because he hasn't been where I've been. He doesn't know what it's like in the ghetto. What I'm going to do, I'm going to invite Pastor Garth to Korogosho, and then I'm going to see if he can still preach that message. And I was like, okay. And, um, and so then he said, but you record your messages. So I went back and listened to it. And I listened to it again. And then I listened to it again. I've listened to it about 20 times now. And somewhere in the midst of that, God opened my eyes to understand that it is true, that he is smiling on me and that he does love me. Because he said, you know what? My mum used to tell us this as kids. We grew up in a Christian family. And my mum used to tell us, as a joke, we would all laugh to the point of tears. He said, she would tell us that God has put us in a bottle in Korogosho and forgotten about us. And we would all laugh and we would just, we'd be in hysterics, we'd be crying, oh my gosh. He said, but I realized that I believed it. He, realized, I said, he said, I realized that I left the ghetto in my mind, in, physically, but I was still there in my mind. And I truly believe that God put me in a bottle and forgot about me there. But now I know as he's crying, tears coming out of his eyes. Now I know that God does love me. And, and he said, and now I still want you to come to Korogosho, but this time I want you to preach that message to all my family and friends. And I said, well, no, you go and preach that message. Now you've got it. And you go and preach that message to all your family and friends. You don't need the white guy. They, I said, they're going to listen to you much more than they're going to listen to me. And, um, and six months later, Pat and Amanda were with us just recently. And, and I said, oh, Pat and Amanda, this is John. And, and, you know, he's had a great experience in here. And he just starts crying again. He starts crying again, just going, oh, I'm so grateful for C3. I'm so grateful for this message. I t- he's been in church every week. Now, he's not struggling with the things he used to struggle about. When you get a revelation of the love of God, uh, and the go- it is the gospel that will change lives. I tell you what. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money you don't have. It doesn't matter how, what car you drive, what house you own. Unless you know and experience the love of God for your life, all of it is meaningless. It is the same answer for people in Nairobi as the same answer of people for the Central Coast. It is the gospel. And Colossians 1.6 says this, if we can go to that. I just love this scripture. It says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. My goodness, I look around the world everywhere I go and Christianity, let me tell you this. Do I have to, can I talk like about what, about 10 past 11? That's okay, like 13 minutes. Here's the, um, this is the truth about Christianity. Christianity is extremely Simple, but extremely difficult. It is not complicated, but it's not easy. Knowing God and understanding the the gospel, being changed by it, and then helping someone else do the same thing, summarizes what we're on earth for. How simple, that, there's nothing, like, I've got nothing else that I can read the Bible and see. Everywhere I look in the Bible, love one another, love God. It's just, it's the same thing. 
But what I want to encourage you today is this, that this message that you have, there is a responsibility and an onus on you to give it to other people. Now, I'm not an evangelist. And so this is not an evangelist getting up and saying, you need to go and start a crusade and jump and get a, you know, in Africa it would be, you know, get a, a PA system and get on the back of a truck and shout and scream for people to turn or burn. But whatever the equivalent is in Australia, that's not what I'm doing. What I've realized is this about the church. Fergus touched on this last week, but I want to challenge you again. Because Fergus said, are you going to go away and hear this message and not do anything about it? And I know it's probably different here at C3 Tugra, but around the world, most people, that is probably exactly what happens. Fergus challenges you to be a soul winner, to be the church, to to have an outward look in this life. But what happens? We get busy. And and, and the truth is, all around the world, in Nairobi, it's the same. We live a self-focused Christianity. Our prayer time is about our needs. Our Bible reading time is about what God's saying to us. Our church time is what can I get out of it? But I want to encourage you something around this today, and I want you to encourage for the last 10 minutes here, I want, you, I want to encourage you to be people that see people. Simple as that. I want you to be people that see people, because if you can be a person that sees other people, that is how the church will be the chief of the mountains in the last days. It's not when some external thing is coming to the church. It's when the church understands who they are and what they're called to be, that it will be the chief of the mountains, the pure and spotless bride, the hope of the world, the city on the hill. You are that already. And God is saying, okay, now what does that look like in your life? Let me just read this scripture, Ephesians 4. This is a beautiful picture of the church. I love it. This is my Luke scripture, the one that Luke's been saying over and over, I've been preaching this for 10 weeks, every week. <laughs> You're glad you don't go to my church, actually. Uh, it says this, it's amazing. Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build the church, the body of Christ. That's amazing, right there. That's all. Pastor Phil and Julie's job is not to do the work of the ministry. Your job is to do the work of the ministry. Their job is to equip you and send you out. That's either incredibly simple to you or absolutely mind-blowing, that your job is to be the church, to do the work of God. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Now, check that out. This will continue until... We're mature. How many people have said, I can't do anything because I don't have much to offer someone else? I'm not at a certain destination yet where I can actually share the gospel with someone else or help someone else. That's just not true. I saw Joey yesterday, and I see this all the time. You know what? Even a, even a, and, 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 and younger than Joey, like when Joey was younger, even an infant can do something for a baby. Even an infant can do something for a baby. I've seen, I've seen someone like Joey feed Florence. Might not be a baked dinner, but Florence doesn't need a baked dinner. She just needs milk. She just needs a scripture. 
you're, you're new, this, you know, the, the, the person that's just come to the Lord, you don't need to be a pastor to, to, to minister to them and to help them out. You just need to give them a scripture. They don't need solid food. They just need a milk. They just need some milk. I've seen, I've seen this, in, you know, one of the young girls in our church, um, she carried in our, our first C3 Nairobi baby. And the baby's almost as big as her, but she's carrying the baby into church. Even, even an infant can carry a baby into church. You don't need to be a pastor to bring someone to church. Do you pray for Florence, Joey? Sometimes. I think you do. You don't need a doctorate of saying prayers to pray for someone. You don't need to understand the biggest, greatest prayers in the world. Even an infant can pray for a baby. You can pray for someone. You can pray for your unsaved person. You can, there's so much that you can do that you don't need to be an expert. The church was not designed to be run by experts. It's not designed to be run by experts. It's designed, you, some of you still need a little bit of convincing, and that's all right, because I can stay here as long as what I want and talk about this. I can convince you for as long as I want. It says this, then we will be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And check this, this is... If this isn't the best description of the church you've ever heard, then I'd love to hear what is. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If I can build a body like that in C3 Nairobi that is healthy and growing, you don't have to choose between those two. You don't have to have a church that's only healthy, but it's not growing. You don't have to have a church that's only growing, but it's not healthy. You can have both. A church that's healthy, growing, and full of love. And so, uh, uh, and so I guess um, just a couple of things as I, as I go to reach out. You are designed for other people. You're designed for other people. But this is what I've noticed. And this is not, uh, can I just speak real for a minute? I'm not criticizing anyone. This is, don't, I'm not beating anyone up. The nature of the fact is we focus on ourselves. As human beings, we, we walk around in a natural body, but our spiritual senses don't see other people. We can look at someone in the natural and not be looking at them in the spiritual. Check out this scripture in Colossians, Colossians 3. If, so, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. That is amazing. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with what's right in front of you. God has called the church, you, each one of us, to yes, know Him, and to yes, grow in Him, but to show other people the glory of God. There are blind people out there. Do you, do you know that the people, your friends, they, they don't, they're not blown away by Jesus or the church. They're blind. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 that the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. It's not that they don't believe. 
They can't see Jesus. And Jamie preached a great message last week about this fact that, that there are many people that are blind to Christ and colorblind to the church. People don't see what you see in here. They think that they're going to walk in the doors and they're going to go attend some boring, irrelevant, you know, old-fashioned, this and this, whatever church. They need you to let them see what the church is, to let them see what the church is and can be. God has put you on this planet to open people's eyes to the glory of Him and open their eyes to the power of the gathering, the power of God's people. And you have what it takes, but it'll only ever happen if you can muster up the intentionality and the, the energy and the desire and the passion to see other people. Because until you see other people, until you open your eyes, you can't open their eyes. God's caused you to lift up your eyes and see people so that you can lift up their eyes to see Jesus. Very simple stuff. But, but life, it's like this. We walk around shuffling, shuffling along, head, head to the ground, eyes to the ground, just lots of in, in front of us. God, the biggest thing that God has shown us in this church plant is His heart for the church to be, the, to be a church that reaches other people. And we've just made it a habit to see other people. Jamie is the best at it that I've ever seen. She must take after her father, I'm sure. But, you know, we had dinner in an Uber. Uh, uh, sorry, dinner, not in an Uber. It was her anniversary. I took her out somewhere special. No. Uh, we had dinner one night, and I was so full. I think it was, oh no, it was, I don't know, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, I was full, I was tired, and I was in an, we got an Uber home, and, um, and I sort of thought I probably should start a conversation with this guy because we've seen three Uber drivers come to the Lord that we just journey with. I was like, oh, I probably should, but I'm so way too full and way too tired for that. And so Jamie starts the conversation. So how are you? How's your evening going? And I'm just like, oh, wife, would you please just cut me some slack? Starts this conversation with him. So do you go to church? Oh, I haven't been to church in 22 years. I had a bad experience, blah, blah, blah. Oh, we think we've got a, a church. We run a church and we think that it might actually be what you've been looking for. Why don't you come on Sunday? But here's the thing. We didn't just leave it at that. You know this whole thing, invite and bring? We don't have a car. And so I was like, well, how can I invite and bring? Oh, he's a driver. Let me pay him to pick me up and take me to church. I had a lift already sorted out that I didn't have to pay for. But I told my friend that lives with us, I'm not going to come to church with you. I've got someone picking me up. So I said, will you come and pick me up? Kenyans, they won't say no to a dollar. So could you pick me up and come to church? And then you can stay for church. Comes to church. Who, anyone here want to give their life to the Lord? Hand up. Message him, how'd you, how'd you enjoy church? Oh, my, my daughter loved it. She wants to come next week. Um, the lady working in the restaurant across the road, our friends invited her. She didn't turn up. So we said, okay, well, let's go out of our way. Let's get her a lift. Let's go in there and have a meal there just so we can chat to her. Let's organize her a lift from this point. And so we don't spend as much time on message prep as we do just contacting people to get them into the house. And, uh, and so, and she comes. I'm preaching, she's full of tattoos. She's covered them up because she feels like she's going to get judged. She was drunk the night before, but she's in the house. And I'm preaching and she's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I say, 
can you close your eyes? She didn't close her eyes. She just kept looking. I was like, uh, is there anyone here other than that person staring at me awkwardly that wants to give their life to the Lord? And she's straight up, her hands up. She invites another friend. Is there anyone else here? Her friend puts her hand up. It's so easy, simple, but difficult. Simple, but difficult. Jesus in Luke, in John 4, Jesus in John 4, it says this, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. That, okay, that's, that's incredible. Jesus, weary as he was. I don't know if you've ever done a date. That's, that was, that's pretty much saying Garth in the Uber, weary as he was, sat there and ignored the guy next to him. <laughs> that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, weary as he was, saw a woman at a well and initiated a meaningful conversation with her. Is that mind-blowing? Does anyone else, when they get weary or busy, not take the steps to walk across the room and talk to that work colleague? Do you not talk to that family member that's a little bit, because you know it's going to be a little bit awkward, they might shut you down? Or do you, weary as you are, do you reach out? Do you reach out? Because we are seeing a church in Nairobi mobilised reaching out to their friends, bringing their friends, being transformed, being changed, coming to Christ. Guys, the gospel is the answer without a shadow of a doubt, the message of Christ. But you are His vessels. hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.